in the twinkle of Luna's eye. Written and narrated by Clancy Pasta. The night was hazed with the faint mist of lavender, purple plumes of slow-mo smoke floating by at a snail's pace, and I was imitating a bird. Perched up top on the side of my rooftop, I gazed out across the setting sun, across the acres upon acres of forestry and road, farm and barn, into the distant mountains and faint sparkles of the distant cityscape. In fifteen minutes' time, the sun was no more, and the once glowing mist had slipped into a hidden form, obscuring the city lights and adding an extra layer of clouded fuzz to the moon. Legs still dangling on the rooftop's edge, I lay back, propping my head up with my hands. I observed and appreciated our beloved satellite. What would we do without Luna? the one planetoid close enough to intrigue and ponder upon with informed contemplation. But even if the moon disappeared from the sky, the stars and planets, nebula, and that striking portion of the Milky Way galaxy would still be there for our ancient ancestors to study. But what if they floated off-screen as well? Total darkness envelops the night sky. A pitch darkness the likes of which is reserved for vision behind the eyes. The feeling of another completely withdrawn. The cosmos and all that could come from it, and all the meaning trapped within it, whisked away into absurd imagination. Life would truly have no meaning then. And as I stare at the moon and think these thoughts and allow my mind to wonder, I begin to float. Not of body, but of vision and spirit. I glide up and up, past the haze I know currently hides its purplish hue, absorbing traces of energy and life as I pass. I rise out of the atmosphere and see the moon in the glory only seen by astronauts in the photos brought back. But I keep getting closer. Soon I find myself close enough to make out the dimensions of mountains growing ever vivid. I can feel excitement race through my essence as I shoot through the mountain tops and steep cliffs. And then I'm at the surface. Bright grays and whites, sand and my toes. I'm there now, in the flesh. I look around. The sky had never been so dark before. The earth hung in the sky like a cursed mirror, showing what should have been, but now lingers just out of reach. What would the beings of this world think, looking up at the luscious green planet, filled to the very brim with water and conditions hospitable to life? Would they gaze up in envy? Or am I just too human to think outside of my own condition? I'm of pure spirit again, and as I stare off across the horizon, past the divide of bright gray and pure black, I begin to descend, falling lower and lower until I begin to pass through the very surface of the crust. 
everything is dark, but loud crackles, pops, and a deep low bass frequency played with my eardrums. I felt the hinting sensations of my legs dangling off the rooftop of my house and the gravity holding my body to the shingles, but the vision persisted. My mind was a dry sponge, soaking up anything it could reach. The sensations escape me. I'm descending further and further into the core of the moon. But before too long, my sight is given something to see. In a moment, I found myself descended into a wide open room, hundreds of torches lining the five-story tall walls in circular horizontal rows, separated by ten feet, totaling eight rows. The walls were made of a strange-looking patchwork of rough stones and worked brick, just like the kind you'd find on Earth. As I got closer to the floor, I could see a large book bound in some of the thickest and darkest leather I had ever laid my eyes on. It almost seemed to sparkle in its crimson sheen. Getting ever closer, I was delightfully surprised to find the title embroidered on in my native language, English. A voice very similar to mine read out, the core of the gates to the long wait to the ever beyond, with a peculiar number written in a different style, much smaller near the bottom, 79,000 B.C. Before long, the hefty cover flipped open. It then flipped a few pages in and stopped on this strange drawing taking up the entire surface. It was of a strange tree, fairly two-dimensional, with branches to each side in total symmetry, totaling seventeen, with eight on each side and one straight down the middle. The trunk descends into a gray soil, and the roots dig ever deeper down and across the midsection. Each branch glows of a different color, one bright orange, another neon yellow, another a shockingly deep red, and a few shades of sparkling blues. The background was filled with light sketches of stars and strange geometric objects. Cubes and cones and pyramids all floated in wispy depiction. Then, the cover began to rise into a 90-degree angle and then closed altogether with a loud slam. My consciousness began rising up from the stone and brick floor, and as I passed the first ring of torches, and then the second, my speed began to increase. The rest of the torch rings flew past me in a single second, my speed still increasing. I fly up and through the crust of the moon's surface, out through the sky, and with a deep lungful of breath, I found myself fully back inside my own body. I sat up, barely catching myself from falling off the roof, nearly hyperventilating, and tried to calm down. Eventually, I laid back down, but only halfway, propping myself up on my elbows so I could see out across the land and keep myself alert. I gazed out across the land and took in the serenity. 
I heard an owl make its call from the plot of forestry that lines my left. I close my eyes and feel the crisp air flowing through my nostrils, so cool it nearly feels like peppermint vapors. Eventually, my mind settled down and wandered back to the vision. I saw that book in my mind's eye, the towering rings of torches or candles circling above me, ever narrowing into the sky from my perception of depth. As I allowed the image to hover in my mind, it slowly solidified. Before long, the faint imprint of an impression of an image had crystallized into solid complexion. I was now back, not only in mind and spirit, but in body as well. I stood up and looked around. The light of the flames flickered shadows across the brick and stone. It was cool, yet without a hint of a breeze, the air shockingly fresh for a place so deeply hidden in the depths of our satellite. I walked over to the wall, noticing after my first step that gravity as I knew it on Earth was still with me. I decided to pay this detail no mind and focus intently on the visions and sensations before me. The lowest row of flames was about six feet off of the ground, just above my gaze, as opposed to the ten separating each group. Up close now, I could tell for sure that the blaze was from a torch, looking rather like a rough branch as opposed to a sculpted scepter. Impaled to the wall with a thick iron nail, the bottom of the branch tilted to lean into a groove between brick and rock and the wall for support. Studying the torches for a while, I was suddenly struck with a realization, a detail that hadn't become evident until that very moment, after examining a few torches up close. What I noticed was this. The flames burn orange and yellow and white, but after staring at them up close for a few moments, the orange begins to deepen into a red. Stare for a few moments longer, perhaps 30 seconds to a minute or so, and that flame eventually crossfades to a brilliant, blazing blue. However, let the flame leave your peripheral vision for even a millisecond, and turning back you'll find that original, normal color palette of oranges and yellows. This will happen if you even blink for too long. I played with this for a while to solidify my discovery, and when I got bored with that, I decided to test it to its limits. I sat down on the floor much colder than even the stale air around me was, and eased my way onto my back, shifting my feet closer to my hips and arcing my knees up into the air for support. I held the back of my head in my hands and lowered until just a section of the bottom row was in my view. And then, I waited. Staring into the row of lights, it took much longer to get going, but get going it most definitely did. After a few minutes of flame gazing, I began to figure it didn't work in groups, but just as I was about to give up, the red started to come through. 
I kept my eyes open, allowing only the briefest of blinks, and stared on. Another few minutes later, the red began to dim, the beginning stage of its transition to blue. A minute later, and the brilliant alien radiance of the blue was all-encompassing. It was brilliant, a sight I couldn't imagine taking back with me to Earth. How would anyone understand such a magical sight? As I continued my gaze, I was curious as to what would come next. I had always looked away after reaching the blue, the brilliant brightness of it threatening to burn its way into my retinas. But I was determined this time, and farther away, admiring them from the ground, it felt a bit easier. I laid there for probably about five minutes, squinting to keep my eyes open, before I noticed the flame begin to change. But as opposed to dimming, as the red had, and the orange before it, right before a major change, the intensity of the light began to increase. I strained and squinted ever harder, knowing that with the time and effort it took to get this going, I may not have another chance. The light grew and grew in intensity and radiance, and within a minute, not even the wall was visible. All I could see or feel was the bright blue light. It was everything I ever was, or could ever hope to be. I lost awareness of my body, and all sound escaped me aside from a growing tinnitus. Dots of white began to emerge from the blue everything, perfectly positioned in a gradient almost reminiscent of a childhood magic found in books of illusion. They were positioned in a perfect gradient, at first the size of the tip of a pinhead, and then growing and vibrating out to a larger dimension. The white dots continued to expand in their vibrations, and before long, they began to meet at their sides, up, down, and left to right. The blue now formed a shimmering diamond of edged vibration, the white growing more and more until the last hint of color, the blue escaped into memories no longer available to my raptured mind. The white, the purity of it, was all I could be. It was all I ever was. It was all I ever knew. Suddenly, Pearls of amber and shimmering cuts of stone fell like a bumbling brook off the face of a waterfall. Stunning jewels of crimson and ivory struck my eyes, sight blending into taste and pleasure flowing up my essence into a pottery of luck and wonder. Unspeakable and unbelievable experiences flowed from one to the other, my mind barely able to process the unearthly bliss from one moment to the next. Senses blended together, and entirely new ones presented themselves like they had always been there to begin with. Sight and sound became one and the same. Physical sensation and the fabric of time weaved into a single moment of experience. If I could feel the organs of my eyes, tears would have flowed from stunned awe. Perhaps they were. And then... 
the otherworldly dream of indescribable complexity and beauty collapsed into total darkness. And within the span of only a few moments, I could feel a cool breeze against my skin and the gravity weighing against my legs once more. Opening my eyes, I saw that gorgeous beauty, the infinitely infinitesimal, small enough to fit inside your eye, and yet infinitely infinite moon. I was back on the roof, back to reality. Glancing down to my wrist, the clock claims it to be just past midnight. To my shock, hours had passed to the visions. I crawled my way down the roof, sliding down the gutter barely stable enough to handle my descent. I crawled through the second-story window to my room and carefully shut the glass, locking it with the care of a mother to her infant. I lay down in bed, kicking my shoes off and taking out the earrings I hadn't noticed were there until they hit the pillow. Moonlight peeked through the curtains I tried to pull shut, and I watched the faint wispy dance of sight on the wall to my left and I thought about the experiences I had had in the hours before. Reality and truth are two words without definition. Your reality is not mine, and mine is not yours. Objectivity is one thing, but conscious experience, the only thing we can study objectivity through to begin with, is anything but. There's no doubt in my mind that were anyone to have watched me as I made my ascent out of the atmosphere and my descent into the hidden chamber within our moon, they would have seen me motionless and with all the appearance of unconsciousness, sleep. And yet, I was no longer on the roof. As far as I could tell in that moment, I was somewhere far away from the rooftop I came from. There is no proving this, of course. No more than I can prove the thoughts in my mind, the feelings in my gut, or the pain in my wrist. It's there, experienced through consciousness. My consciousness. The only tool I or any of us really have. But I know there's nothing special about me. I know there are others, too, those reading this who already know, and those who think they don't. But truth and reality, despite lacking comprehensible definition, are both freely available to those who take it, to those willing to explore and question and wonder, those willing to think and imagine and daydream. Those willing to study your own mind and take note of surprises. Everything is out there, waiting to be discovered in the twinkle of Luna's eye.
Okay. Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed, please give it a like, subscribe, or follow for more if you haven't already, and let me know what you thought in the comments below. If you'd like to uh, help send in a tip or support the channel, you can always go to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash clancypasta. Or if you need a shirt, hoodie, mug, mask, you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. You can always follow me on Twitter and Instagram at clancypasta. And without further ado, I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>